Oh, that's Turbotronic. Yes, Matt Meany. Turbotronic, Mighty Bounce. By the way, you're playing the radio edition, I assume. You can't play the other edition. The FCC will knock us off the airwaves. This is in tribute to you, Nancy, who was part of the marathon of broadcasting that I'm involved with today. Which truly, half the day is always broadcasting, Curtis. Pleasure to be here again with everybody. And I know you have had the same battle that John Katsimatidis has had, struggling with this, we don't know what it is yet, virus, flu, uh, sort of um, offshoot of COVID-19, coronavirus. No, it's not, It's none of those things. Don't, don't spread that rumor. But you had tests, like John had tests, and John says he had pneumonia. They were able to pin it down to pneumonia, and it really knocked the living daylights out of him. Uh, he was able to return today after many, many days convalescing. You likewise have been convalescing, and when you went for your battery of tests, they still haven't pinned it down what it is. No, they, they haven't, but again, I, I'm just go, ascribing to the old school remedy of lots of liquid and, and rest and, um, you know, just, just being smart about what you're doing. But the same thing you had that uh, Andrew Giuliani's, uh, I think, nephew had that uh, John had is this hacking, lingering cough. That luckily, I've not had, but I've seen other people in that same situation. As John described it, even though he's over most of the uh, symptoms of the pneumonia, he still has a hacking cough. So what do you think it is that has caused that? Because I have, I have seen it in you personally cause you to physically almost to the point, have a meltdown physically, like it's affected every other part of your physical well-being. So you mean the coughing part in general? Correct. Well, I mean, certainly walking around the, the city a lot doesn't doesn't help too much. It's, it's not too clean. I, we go through the subways a lot, but I think because of the coldness at this point, you, you have, um, you know, a lot of the same air that's within the room. So if there is any germs, like Unfortunately, you can't open the window and get it breezed out. So I think there's maybe an element of that, like a very contained environment that we're in now because it's so cold. Um, yeah, I think because the more, the more you open the windows and let the breeze in, I think the healthier the air is going to be as well. Yeah, because we have all the humidifiers here at WABC. We have lots of traffic in and out, lots of people coming and going, less during the holidays and during the normal broadcast cycle. Uh, we certainly have those at home, the humidifiers. Uh, the cats get to breathe you a humidified air. We get to breathe humidified air. But still, I think people have to be wary. And again, I may be labeled a xenophobe for saying this. We've had 128,000 people enter our city, probably more than that, who have never been medically checked at all, uh, who have had no vaccinations who clearly probably don't want to go to a hospital or a medical facility because they figure, well, maybe that'll get me deported. Who knows what's going on in their heads? But I see them sneezing and coughing like anybody else who's here. And I'm saying to myself, why would we let people in? Even, even if you want to argue that they're seeking asylum and that they deserve to be here, without probably checking them medically and giving them the, the required number of vaccinations, that if you remember in the lockdown and pandemic, because you were resistant, I was resistant, 
the masks, the vaccines and all that. It was required or you were fired or you were exiled. You were, you were basically put in a little bubble and not permitted to exist. And did these folks just stream over? Well, yeah, I mean, and there's part of the problem. You have um, politicos making decisions regarding health about situations they really know nothing about. I mean, think about some of the uh, the ridiculousness during COVID when you could have a mask on if you were seated in a restaurant, but you're walking through, that's okay. Somehow the air above the tables was fine. This total um, lack of logic in how they were piecemealing these things together, you know, short of having everyone in a bubble, which is I think what the the, the goal was of the government, just to keep everyone in a bubble. And then they, they had no, again, they have no logical uh, plans of action. So everything is very, very piecemeal. And to your point, you were requiring everyone to mask up all the time, and now you're just letting people in and not even testing them. You have no idea what they have. Nothing. And now, because the temperatures are becoming climate, it's damp. It's raining a lot. We don't have snow. We may never have snow again. Who knows? But the point being, this is when people get sick, whether they're Americans, whether they're legally here, illegally here. And I mean... Imagine for you to get tested, for John to get tested, other people to get tested, and they can't put their finger on what this is. To know that our city municipal hospital system is overwhelmed with tuberculosis. And again, I use myself as a perfect example. You remember when we went to Columbia Presbyterian. uh, I think the term of the doctor that they forced me to see was what? Exotic uh, diseases, airborne diseases. This guy was... He's like, what are you doing here? Yeah, in other words, they didn't want you in their office. Right. But it was like some kind of thing where you basically had to be in like a hazmat suit. Yeah. And he did every conceivable test on me. You know, they took the lung x-rays, everything, and it determined that I had latent tuberculosis. Yeah, and, and it was funny because I remember the, the series of questions they were asking you to sort of uh, backtrack whether you had exposure and I couldn't believe how many things you answered yes to. It's like, have you have you been in a hovel in Mexico? Yes. Like, what? Yep. Uh, Senegal, yes. Third world countries, yes. Uh, have you been uh, exposed to like, people? Yeah, you're a walking poster child for tuberculosis. Right. So it, they determined, thankfully, that it was latent. But I still had to get rid of it. Because at any point, it could become full-blown. And that would have meant immediately you and the cats and anyone in proximity to me could get tuberculosis, which is very debilitating. You talk about coughing and feeling like your lung is exploded out, and it would spread. I would be a spreader. So remember, we had a regimen on Saturday mornings. There was like four prescriptions. They were horse pills. And I had to take all four prescriptions. And for the next day, I felt like somebody had hit me right in the chest because it was trying to get rid of that tuberculosis. Luckily, after a year, it had dissipated. It had gone. But at least I had an experience that got me up close and personal to how I could have been in a tuberculosis ward where I would have had to have been quarantined because of my exposure when I spent months in the colonias of Libertad and Juarez in Mexico when the uh, illegal aliens were being attacked by the Tijuana police, and we were protecting them from the Tijuana police, who didn't even bother to take off their their uniforms by day. They're downtown directing traffic, taking bribes by day, 
And then raping, pillaging, robbing the illegals coming across the border and not into the San Ysidro Canyon by coyotes that were in cahoots with the off-duty Tijuana police. No, but, you know, you're right. To your point, you went to a doctor and there was a very uh, clear series of tests and questions that were done all related to potential momentary exposure to some of these areas. Now we have hundreds of thousands of people who are theoretically like walking through jungles, through rivers, and we're not asking any questions. Nothing. Nothing. It's like yeah, it's we're, we're saying, oh, this is this is, mosquitoes, you know, mosquito bites. Mosquito. Panama, right? Just to give you an example. Yeah. My father was a merchant seaman who took uh, many, many trips through the Panama Canal. We learned that John McCain was basically birthed in the Panama Canal because his uh, dad in the Navy was assigned to that area at that time, and they questioned whether he could be considered an American citizen or not. Of course he was. But as my dad said, every afternoon there was a plume of insecticides. I think it was DDT at the time to get rid of the mosquitoes that were as big as horses. You put saddles on them, and they would bite you. You would get malaria. You would get other diseases. It was imperative that they had to in, use insecticides there or everyone in that canal zone or any of the sailors coming through on the major shipping uh, portal of the world would have come down with malaria and other infections. And so here are all these illegal aliens coming through that area. Oh, no. Yeah, and, They're and, impervious to and it. And every time that you hear about um, like a resurgence of um, you know people getting ill in an area – it's always some variation of the strain. Like, where do you think the variations come from? They come from the mixing of people who have them in one place versus another because it doesn't look the same. So the logic is there. They're even giving their own explanation but then refusing to acknowledge it. Well, this reminds me of the summer of 2020 when we would be in our apartment and along Central Park West, you would say, Curtis, there's a demonstration coming down the block. Black Lives Matter. I mean, just next to one another, not wearing masks. We were told there had to be social distancing, that you would be a spreader. This kind of an event would be a spreader. There were like hundreds of these young people, right, marching morning, noon, and night. No masks. Everything that the health authorities said you shouldn't do, they were doing, and then they were given an exemption. Well, if you were a part of a Black Lives Matter demonstration, you weren't part of a super spreader. But if you were to get socially connected to anyone else, you could potentially be spreading COVID. At that time, it was called coronavirus. Oh, and, and, and another funny, funny thing I recall, too, when, you know, when we were doing um, a lot of the feeding of the homeless people living in the subway system, and slowly when they started to reopen and come back, that's when um, you know, they went over the top. I don't know if it was Cuomo, I forget who it was, who said, let's uh, wash down every single subway car. That lasted like two weeks and now they're back to being filthy again. Yeah, so. yeah no, no. That that, that was uh, Andrew Evilize Cuomo, who as governor was in charge of the MTA money-taking agency. Remember, they actually shut the subway down uh, oh, the in the morning yeah, I remember that. for two hours yeah. so that they could deep clean the subways. That was the only positive thing that came out of that period yeah, of time. Yeah, but apparently that clean didn't stick because <laughs> every single subway still looks the same now. It's a mess. The flotsam, the jetsam, the gunk. When we come back, though, we have to give a little bit of an update because uh, there was a present underneath the Sliwa Christmas tree, although we didn't have an actual tree because of all the cats. They would have attacked it. But the animal welfare program that has brought you to the airwaves of WABC will now be nationally syndicated in the beginning of the year. 
So let's run to a few animal welfare subjects. And then we got to go through what the mayor has just said at his press conference. Nobody wants to sit in my seat and deal with what I'm dealing with. Hey, let me tell you something. Eric Adams, step aside. I'll be more than happy as the mayor in exile to move right into City Hall. And at least we'll have bigger space for all our cats there at Gracie Mansion. On your place to be, WABC. It's the Rip and Read. Talking about. Featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. And we'll give you a little bit of an hors d'oeuvre of what the entree is like on Sunday nights, 10 to 11. The Animal Welfare Hour featuring Nancy. I'm a contributor to that. And the good news is it will be nationally syndicated in the beginning of the year from coast to coast. So we'll have that many more people being influenced to care for animals, both those that live outdoors and those who live amongst them indoors who are considered like family members and friends. Just to show you how serious we are about this subject, yesterday in between shows that I was doing on Christmas Day, we walked around the city. We were looking for a restaurant where we could have a little bit of lunch. And we found a great place at 56th and 2nd, the Shadmore, that we thought was closed. It looked like almost every other restaurant closed except for the Chinese restaurant. So the Jews had packed the Chinese restaurant. So we see three people coming out of the Shadmore. We assumed that maybe maybe they were staff or whatever who were cleaning up and, and no it was actually open we walked in we were the only people there until a few locals showed up later on great christmas music great ambiance and most of our discussion as we were having a great lunch before i had to come back and continue my marathon broadcasting session nancy we were about animal welfare issues and first and foremost was about flacco the owl Celebrity Owl, probably the most famous owl that has ever existed since the PSA when I was a kid, uh, Give a Hoot, Don't Pollute. I remember that. That's right, Give a Hoot, Don't Pollute. So Flacco, in typical tabloid fashion, was built up now only to be knocked down. Uh, Can you give the story of Flacco when he was being elevated and now as the tabloids have turned against him? (laughs) Well, okay, I'm not sure if they've really turned against him too much, but his, you know, obviously his journey started almost a year ago when he escaped or was assisted to escape from his enclosure in Central Park. And he was hanging out there for a while, but he seemed to have made, made his way down to the Lower East Side. 
And again, the idea is that maybe he's looking for a mate because no one's in Central Park. And then he, he, he didn't get lucky down in the Lower East Side, so he came back to the park. And now he's hanging out on the West Side. But recently he's been spotted like right next to buildings. So he's, uh, you know, because by nature they're, they're trying to, you know, perch, uh, be somewhere high above. So uh, he's taken to, to sitting on top of air conditioners and particularly at this one window where they woke up one morning, this couple, and then they see him peeping in. And it was, you know, now you can imagine, you know, you think about an owl, like maybe visually it seems small, but he's almost two, two feet high and the wingspan is six feet. So if you wake up and you see that looking in your window and the orange eyes, like they're just so orange, I could see, you know, being a little bit taken aback. But so now they're calling him a peeping Tom, saying that he's looking in people's windows. They're calling him a perv. <laughs> Before he was a hero against all odds, remember you had all the bird watches. And by the way, Anthony Weiner will be joining me from one to three. When he was congressman, his area included the Jamaica Bay Preserve that's part of the National Park System. And I'll never forget seeing a story in which there he was wearing the shorts, wearing the khaki shirt with the safari hat, the binoculars, doing whoop-a-woo, whoop-a-woo with the bird watchers because there are lots of flocks of birds that go through the Jamaica Bay area. And I said, what, Anthony? Anything for a photo op, right, to put on the safari hat, binoculars, but apparently he's quite the bird watcher. So he had all these bird watchers running all through the city trying to find Flacco because they said Flacco could never survive on his own. He's been hand-fed since he's a little chick. Flacco did quite well feasting on mice and rats nocturnally at night. Yeah, and, and actually, I'm getting, I'm finding it a little bit annoying, and I'm not sure if Flacco does either, that he can't go anywhere without being stalked himself. So they're calling him a pervert, but meanwhile, everyone's watching him and taking pictures of him all the time. Yeah, the paparazzi, they're, they're stalking, and he's only a block away from we are. So I've been going out there actually looking for Flacco to give him some tactical air support since he's being vilified by our neighbors as some kind of a peeping Tom or perv. And I will tell you, it just shows you typically they build you up just to knock you yeah, down. Yeah, and just so you know, too, they have an owl expert who's surmising that not it's not just because Flacco grew up around people, so it's familiar, but that since Flacco's looking to mate and never had like a mate, another owl mate, that maybe Flacco's looking for a person to mate with, which would seem completely ridiculous. Oh, come on. <laughs> He's looking for love in all the wrong places, right? I mean, come on. And they're a so-called owl expert. Look, I've loved owls since I was a child. My mother, Francesca, used to imitate an owl voice. We had a facsimile of an owl. And she used to claim that this was the little brownie talking to me. And the little brownie would find out if I was being good or bad, and it would how, talk how through old, the owl. How old did that go until? Uh, I think about six years old. All right, that's what I'm And she would say, you know, she would always start with the same PSA, give a hoot, don't pollute. So it was the owl of the PSA. And I'd be listening as a little kid. If you've been a good boy, give a hoot, don't pollute. And that's why I got involved in recycling. The first to get involved in recycling. A lot of people don't realize that. So that I was. That's why you pick up trash to this day in the streets? Yes. Yeah, Curtis likes to do that. I was influenced by the owl in that PSA. Give a hoot, don't pollute. At a young age. See, it's impressionable on you. Now, from that subject, which is somewhat different and unique, 
to a subject that has affected so many canines across the country. We just finished talking about your battles, John Katzmatidi's battles, other people's battles with this flu virus, COVID-19, knockoff, whatever you want to call it, that has led to this uh, these deep uh, colds and these deep coughs that rack your, your lung system. Dogs are going through this where it is affecting canines across America. Dogs are dying as a result. They haven't quite figured out any kind of uh, pharmaceutical products that can curb this. What exactly is it, and how fast is it traveling in the canine community? Well, it's again, it's traveling very fast. It's, uh, I think, in 19 states at this point. There's no database for it, so it's hard to tell. It's not as though veterinarians are logging this particularly, and they don't even know what they would be logging because it sort of defies, um, you know, sort of parameters at this point. It's viewed more or less as what would start off as a cough. So, you know, you might um, sort of overlook it because you think, oh, it's the seasonal, they'll get over it in a few days. But very quickly, it progresses into um, possibly pneumonia, um, sadly, in some instances, fatality as well. It's highly contagious. They don't know how it's spreading, which is why they're suggesting keeping dogs out of all of these different public places. So whether it's doggy daycare, uh, boarding, groomers, uh, you know, par- even parks outside like um, dog runs, even being outside isn't sufficient to sort of ward off potentially uh, getting that. So that, yeah, so that's the number one trait that they have associated with this to cough. And at this point, it is growing. They don't know how it's spreading and there's no medications for it. Wow. And so dogs are perishing as a result. Your dogs are are perishing. That means when you're taking your dog out for their two or three day uh, day jaunts, do not let them go sniffing the tuchuses of other dogs, right? Yeah, I mean, I see I see a lot of people. Obviously, they they walk. They have their dogs with like the coats and the the booties and things to make sure they're keeping safe and warm like that, but then they're having them walk right up to another dog. So that's, I mean, you got to be mindful of that right now. Yeah, and it was never a very sanitary situation in which dogs end up sniffing each other's tuchuses, you know? It's like weird. And they claim cats spread disease. Cats are the cleanest animals. They're constantly self-cleaning themselves. Yeah, no, cats are super clean. Can a dog self-clean himself? I'd like to see that trick. Where a dog can actually clean their private parts. It doesn't happen, ladies and gentlemen. So don't, don't disparage cats, yes, please. Let's not see that. Don't disparage cats. Up next, the mayor claims, Mrs. Sliwa, that nobody else is willing to do his job. That's not what I heard. I spent about a year of my life trying to convince everybody I'd be more than happy to do that job and more. And he has the hubris, the chutzpah, the coulions to say... It's he and only he that can guide us out of this problem that he created by inviting in all these illegal aliens. I mean, we're lucky to have him, according to him. We're lucky that God gave him to us at this time. God, I want a rebate. I want a rebate. <laughs> Check this out. It's the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC.
in the background, Rick James, who schooled Eddie Murphy to sing this song that became a number one hit with the Mary Jane girls in the background up in Orchard Park in Buffalo, best known to be the house of the Buffalo Bills. But you see, as I school Diego here, Rick James came out of the projects of East Buffalo and also developed the Mary Jane Girls background singers at his mansion in Orchard Park outside of Buffalo. Eddie Murphy went up there for a year. Apparently had his nose in the peanut butter jar where there was a lot of white stuff for a long time and didn't want to leave until he had a number one song. And this is it, the theme song for Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan. So, the year-end press conference of Eric Adams, he only does one, Nancy, one a week, in which he takes off-topic questions. Last week, when he looked out, to the throng of those from Room 9, the reporters. He said, how come we don't have enough ethnic reporters out there from weekly ethnic newspapers like the Suriname Weekly? I think there are like a thousand people here from Dutch Guyana. He wants them represented. He wants the Fiji Times represented. Anybody that can filibuster by asking stupid questions... So that he doesn't really have to get down to the meat and potato question. Yeah, he's just a, a boy with a dream of traveling the world. Leave him alone, Curtis. Now, you've uh, monitored his weekly press conference. Yes, they are entertaining. So give us an idea before we play some of the cuts from today's and compare it to some of the others. What does he generally do since most mayors before him, even de Blasio, would have multiple press conferences in a week in which they would take off-topic questions because they're the mayor, and there's always things going on in the city. Well, this is great, though. Right, to your point, he, he started out the box of his mayoralty saying that you, you can't really the, the media can't really report on him, so he needed his own sort of media presentation. But then, the, but then he started getting too many questions. This is where the once-a-week um, pressures come in. So he only does off-topic once a week. He walks in, uh, you know, he's got a... His, his music playing, he always has a theme song because apparently he can't walk in the room without a song playing for him. And then he, you know, he sits down, he gives his maybe five, ten minute spiel, uh, his narrative, his spin on how great the city's doing under his leadership, how we should be so lucky, so fortunate that he's here. To your point, no one else would want to take the job. All the pressure's on him. He's doing all the work. Stop pointing your finger at him. He's doing his, like, he does that for a few minutes. And then he takes some questions. If he doesn't like the questions, he has one of his uh, little lackeys, uh, sidekicks, answer for him. But, yeah, I mean, and if he doesn't like the tone of the question, he's very quick to, to not respond to questions. He, yeah, he's very pretentious in these and very, um, you know, light on the information, unfortunately. And there's like 20 people up on the podium with him. And they're all staring into the cameras like zombies, nodding their heads up and down every time he talks like it's a cult. And, and everyone only gets, um, like, two questions, and they have to ask them in rapid su- succession. So if he doesn't like the tone of the first question, he berates. Like, it's almost like he's talking to these people like they're children, not even worthy of speaking on par with the same level. Like, how dare 
you ask him a question where you're also questioning his abilities. Of course, and then today he wanted to remind all of us how really lucky we are that he is the mayor at a time of crisis because nobody else would want to be sitting in his job capacity right now. The federal government must stop this because, you know, there's a lot of people on the sideline that talk about this issue. Trust me, they don't want to be in the seat right now. A lot of people saying, you know, all their ideas, what they would do and how they would fix this. They don't want to be here. (laughs) They are hoping that Eric can fix this and this team can get this done. No one wants this problem. You know, when I was in Washington, the people said to me that met me there, they said, I I thank God I'm not you, Eric. (laughs) Delusional. Completely delusional. First off, let's look at his friend that he's made a deal with, Andrew Evilize Cuomo, who has been polling as to whether he would have a shot at being mayor if, in fact, Eric Adams is taken away in chains and shackles, which increasingly looks more probable because of money he accepted from Turkey, Erdogan, over the years. And the deal was made. Where Andrew Evilized Cuomo, I broke the news here, was sitting at Junior's uh, on Flatbush Avenue across from LIU with Frank Setio, He's a former crooked uh, head of the Kings County Crooked Democratic Machine and is an ally of Eric Adams. But more importantly, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, they sat and this was the deal because uh, people know the name Frank Carone. That's like the number one aide to Eric Adams. That is the partner of Frank Setio. They're law partners. So when one speaks, it's as if the other one listens. This is the deal. If, in fact, Eric Adams is offered uh, a possibility to avoid being prosecuted for political corruption, if he stands aside, very much like Elliot Spitzer did when he was transporting prostitutes uh, across state lines and would have gotten hit with a man act. Remember, he resigned quickly. So if Eric Adams resigns, Andrew Cuomo has made the promise to Team Adams that if he runs in a special election and wins, he will keep every member of Team Adams in the administration until 2025, which will be the next mayoral election. Yeah, this is the problem. This is why you can't have these backroom deals, because nothing will change if you're swapping out just the the figurehead of this entire party system, because everyone's playing the same game. They're all beholden to the same crooks. Correct. But in this case, there's a guarantee of job security. Recent polls have indicated that if, in fact, Eric Adams uh, either goes to prison or makes a deal to avoid going to prison by resigning, that in a quick race... Uh, which would be a special race, they call it. Uh, It would be briefly, we would be stuck with Jumani Williams, the public advocate, which could destroy this city, even though he would only be in charge officially for about two months. You'd have a special election, nonpartisan, nobody running on a party line. There'd be probably a dozen or more people who would run. Uh, Cuomo is favored to win that because it would be ranked choice. And then at that point, if he was sworn into office to continue the term until 2025, everyone who was part of Team Adams who had a job could keep their job unless they wanted to leave. Yeah, and again, and, that, and that's part of the problem. You're concerned about the job security of these people. You're supposed to be leading 
the entire city, not concerned about these few people right here. So, again, that's part of the problem. Your priorities aren't straight. So we already know that Cuomo is uh, prospecting to become mayor. He's had polls put out. He met with Sedio, and the most recent Page Six uh, article indicated he met with Andrew Stein uh, about his prospects of becoming mayor. Oh, and, and I've heard him speak before. He He's great when he talks about the responsibility. You can't possibly understand what it's like to be born into public service. Give me a break. Yeah. Then you have the Mameluke who has surfaced, Scott Stringer, the former borough president, who himself has been charged with sexual harassment. All these guys, you have Eric Adams charged with sexual harassment. You have Andrew Cuomo charged with sexual harassment. He's doing polls as to whether he should run in uh, to a special election. I can I can answer that. No. Right. So Eric Adams acting like nobody wants to be mayor. I've said from day one that I lost to him. I am your mayor in exile like Napoleon on the island of Elba. And recently at one of these same weekly press conferences, Eric Adams responded to that very question that Curtis is the mayor in waiting. Anytime you start out a question with the name Curtis Sliwa, that in itself states that it would do a disservice to me and other New Yorkers for me to even respond that. Curtis Sliwa? I mean, I mean, if you go look in a dictionary for the word buffoon and tell me what picture you come up with. Now, just imagine that he's at 28 percent in the polls. Everything he's done has been a disaster. And yet he's basically saying, eh, Curtis Lee is not even a player, not even prime for consideration, even though I ran against him in the last general. Yeah, and, and, for, and for all of his um, his skill that he tries to promote. What he constantly is doing is running off to ask for more money. First of all, anyone can do that. Anyone can beg for more money. And if the best you can do in your overall uh, policy decision-making is just tell everyone, stop spending money, you didn't do anything. And now, remember, he is uh, the target of a federal investigation for him taking money. But let's put that aside. We should be working together with Eric Adams, you, Mrs. Sliwa, me, everybody else out there, because we're all stuck on the airplane that he's the captain of the ship on. So there are those who are political opportunists that from the day I was elected, no matter what we did, they did everything to try to derail our city. And they've been consistent in it. And we know they've been consistent in it. And I've said this more than once, long before of this whole uh, uh, Turkish conversation uh, came up. There are people who wake up every day and say, how do I get the pilot of this plane to crash? These guys are on the plane. I don't know how many times I can say this. You should, people should be praying for me to land a plane. We're stuck on this plane, Nancy, and everybody else. And he took and he made sure none of us had parachutes. Yeah, like I said, I'm definitely not interested in taking that plane at all. So the headline of the weekly press conference that James Flippin uh, so admirably followed, I know it was very difficult at times because of all this uh, self-adulation that Eric Adams was involved with. I don't know who's more involved in self-adulation, our own Sid Rosenberg or Eric Adams. I mean, they give each other a run for the money. Yeah, right. That's, that's, that's a close one. That is a close one. So let's hear the takeaway from today's press conference is, thank God Eric Adams is mayor because nobody else would want to be in his seat at this time. 
the federal government must stop this because, you know, there's a lot of people on the sideline that talk about this issue. Trust me, they don't want to be in the seat right now. A lot of people saying, you know, all their ideas, what they would do and how they would fix this. They don't want to be here. <laughs> they are hoping that Eric can fix this and this team can get this done. No one wants this problem. You know, when I was in Washington, the people said to me that met me there, he says, I, I thank God I'm not you, Eric. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, this is this is so funny, too, because he went from saying this is an easy job. I don't even know. I don't I don't even have to show up to work. It's no big deal. Then it's so difficult that, I, you know, you should be happy I'm here. Meanwhile, this guy's just fundraising all the time and on vacation. That's right. He did say that. See, uh, Matt Meany, if you can find that cut, when does this job get hard? They told me that this was going to be a hard job. When does this job get hard? I'm waiting for it to get hard. Yeah, it's easy for him. Look, let me make it very clear, because City Hall does listen to this show, and I know it every day because they call up to John Katsimatidis, who's out of his sickbed now, so now they heard that. It's like, let's call him up, give him cauliflower here. Fire Curtis. Suspend Curtis. Make him retract what he said. Make him apologize. Hey, you can kiss my tookus. I am the mayor in exile. I am like Napoleon on the island of Elba. If you don't think anybody wants to take over your position, Eric Adams, you are delusional. You are mad because it's not just me. It's Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo. It's Scott the Mama Luke. Oh, God. I don't even want to say it. Ugh. Stringer. It's, what's his name, Brad Lander. It's Jumani Williams. It's every socialist who's trying to destroy this city. Every last one of them would love to be mayor. And I got to tell you, Eric Adams, if you don't think any of them would want to replace you, just know that Curtis Sliwa is more than happy to move into Gracie Mansion at any point with Nancy Sliwa and all of our cats at a moment's notice. McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Sliwa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. kind of music you don't listen to, Diego. I need to get you into the groove. It's certainly the music of the Sliwa household. Nancy was in the house here at WABC, who has helped me with the rip and read today. will be available all week, as uh, I am substituting for almost everybody on the calendar week. But uh, you have some salutations and greetings, Nancy, from uh, the governor of the state of New York, Kathy Hoku, who decided to give a Christmas message to all of us, could you partake of some of us with our some of it with our audience? Well, she was she actually gave some messages which were great. You know, like I mean, very very insightful. Like um, instead of giving best wishes, 
give the best version of ourselves and instead of yearning for peace, let's live it, you know, those those gems. But I think it was Adams that really came in with the with the good stuff. So he was with your favorite National Action Network. And oh, he, you mean Al Slim Shady yes, Sharp? Yes, correct. Yes. He was there, you know, spreading the the Christmas cheer, I guess. And he said he's continuing the tradition. Trust me, there's a third grader out there right now. That's the future, Eric Adams, and he's going to need National Action Network like I needed, Mom. Hold on a second. Eric Adams said this. He said this that there is a th- a third grader out there who is the future Eric Adams, it's like a Maury Povich show, maybe. Uh, to emerge, to finish the destruction of de Blasio and Eric Adams of our city. So it's not bad enough that they've destroyed our city. He wants a future Eric Adams to do that with the help of Al Slim, Shady Sharpton, and the National Action Network. He's in third grade right now, so keep keep your eye on him because he could be a fast mover, that one. And then he also encouraged people. he's, He's, as a reminder, just in case you didn't realize this, we actually have people living on the street, just, you know, just so you know. He said, let's ride the subway today and give someone a pair of socks. So, Wait, this is Eric Adams? Those were his words. The former transit police cop who we were able to elicit from him that the only job he did in transit was to, uh, was to take care of the computers, to program them from paperwork to floppy disks. That's all he did. Yes, so he's, he's struggling to take care of this supposed mandate to care for the strangers from another country, but he doesn't have to worry about the people on the subway, so he's letting you know, bring a pair of socks for them. So, Diego, uh, when you're out there trying to get a pair of tube socks, you know, three for 59 cents at the places that you shop at, just know, just take one of those pair and please give it to, give it to a homeless person or emotionally disturbed on the subway. You know what that emotionally disturbed or homeless person is going to do with those socks? I, I, I shudder to think. They're going to say, where's the money? Give me money. Oh, no freaking socks. They're going to fill the socks up with a, bunch of, with a bunch of metal and then just start bashing people on the head. Exactly. What is wrong with this guy? Is he so delusional? So our mission this week in advance of the ball dropping, reminding us it will be two years of torture that we've had to live with uh, Eric Adams as the self-important mayor, that the answer to our problems in our society is to ride the subways, which you're taking your life into your own hands. I would suggest you wear a bulletproof body condom while you're doing it and give a pair of socks to a person in need. Thank you, Eric. And to the illegal aliens, we give everything else. Oh, yeah. Five-star hotel rooms, meals of your choice, transportation, you're set. And uh, he's now gone out on the limb and he said, look, we may be the ones where they want to come to New York City. We may be the ones that process them in the Roosevelt Hotel. But it's up to all Americans to take their fair share. By the way, he won't even take not one illegal alien and house him in Gracie Mansion. Well, you know, it's funny. He likes to describe himself as the pilot now, right? So let's put him on the bus that's driving the migrants, and maybe none of them will want to come here if he's the bus driver. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, because they'd have to listen to him talking about himself for two days from the borders of Texas to New York. Take me back. Take me back. Take me back. I don't want to come here. The greatest bus driver in the world, the greatest mayor in the world. Let me tell you something. Absolutely not. Now, coming up. Has been a defender of Eric Adams, not all the time, but some of the times, Anthony Weiner. 
We'll get his reaction on how we're all so lucky and all so fortunate. And how Anthony Weiner, who could have been mayor, would have been a hell of a better mayor than Bill de Blasio if he hadn't had his own personal failings, that if given the chance, would he be also willing to step in and sit there for the mayor? Because the mayor said today, nobody wants his job. Nobody out there wants to be sitting and having to deal with the crisis that Eric Adams is resolving right now for us. I beg to differ. Curtis Lee would like the job, please. Damn right in a heartbeat. We'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. Bye-bye. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.